Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 755 of the Juicebox podcast. Jenny Smith and I are back today with another episode of the Bold Beginning series. And today, Jenny and I are going to talk about exercise. While you're listening today, don't forget two things. One, Jenny works at integrateddiabetes.com. You can check her out and hire her if you like. And two, nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, in fewer than 10 minutes, you could go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and fill out their survey. When you complete the survey, you've helped the podcast, you've helped people living with type 1 diabetes, and you may just have helped yourself. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. I hope you're enjoying the bold beginning series. It's not done yet. There's more coming. If you've missed the earlier episodes, you don't even have to listen to them in order. If you don't want to, just go find them. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Please go learn about my favorite diabetes organization at touchedbytype1.org and find them on Facebook and Instagram while you're at it. Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. InPen is an insulin pen that offers some of the functionality that you've come to expect from an insulin pump. I know you're thinking, Oh, Scott, please tell me more. Well, I will. Yes, the InPen is a pen, but it also has an application that lives on your smart device. This app shows you your current glucose levels, meal history, dose history, an activity log, glucose history, active insulin remaining, a dosing calculator, and reports that you and your physician can use while you're trying to decide what your next step is. Well, well, well. It's not just an insulin pen. Now is it? InPenToday.com. That's where you're going to find out more information and get started. If you're ready to try the InPen, just fill out the form at InPenToday.com. Or do some more reading. There's actually some videos you can check out too about the dosing calculator, the dose reminders, carb counting support, and the digital logbook. So if you want to lighten your diabetes management load, but you're not ready for an insulin pump, InPen is probably right for you. InPenToday.com. InPen also offers 24-hour technical support, hands-on product training, and online educational resources. And here's something else that you'll find at InPenToday.com that is actually very exciting. Now, this offer is for people with commercial insurance, and terms and conditions do apply. But you may pay as little as $35 for the InPen. And that's because Medtronic Diabetes does not want cost to be a roadblock to you getting the therapy you need with InPen. $35. How crazy is that? InPenToday.com. InPen requires a prescription and settings from your healthcare provider. You must use proper settings and follow the instructions as directed, or you could experience high or low glucose levels. For more safety information or to get started today, you can go to InPenToday.com. 
com. What's next? Uh, Jenny, hey, uh, we're back with the Bold Beginnings series, and we're going to talk about something today that's going to happen to everybody, I hope, um, exercise. But we're not going to dig super deep into it. We just want to make sure that newly diagnosed people understand the impacts, right? Right. Absolutely. Because I think it's a neglected topic at that initial like diagnosis and the overwhelmingness of everything Mm -hmm. that you're trying to learn about. Exercise is like way, way at the bottom in terms of what to expect to try to learn, right? I also also think that when people think of exercise, they think of at 11 o'clock, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to run on the treadmill and I'm going to lift these things. Then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to go back. But exercise could be cleaning the house or cutting your lawn or your kid. Going be- to a store. Yeah. Walking around at, what did we say, Walmart in the variable well, series? Yes. Or something. Um, I think so. Yeah. Shopping. Anything that takes your your level of activity from where it kind of normally is to an elevated place because your settings for your insulin are usually set up for when you're sitting in school or at work or sleeping or whatever. Right. And, and then, okay, so let's just explain, I'm going to ask you to do it. What happens when s- there's two kinds of exercise? Look at me, anaerobic and... Yes. Aerobic. What is it? And the other one. The other one. <laughs> You're so funny. Oh I my made, goodness. I made weightlifting like signs. Like movements. Yeah. Yes. Anaerobic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like resistance and weight training. Um, in which you're not increasing or not for long periods increasing your heart rate, mm-hmm. right? And then there's cardio kind of exercise or aerobic where you're using oxygen at right. an increased rate, right? And they both do something different to your blood sugar okay. or could. All right. So anaerobic, like from my childhood, Lou Ferrigno, lifting weights. There you go. And aerobic, uh, what's her name? Um, married to the guy from CNN. Did the thing. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, my God. Famous actress. Did that thing in Vietnam people didn't Fonda. like. Fonda. Jane, Jane Fonda. Fonda. There you go. There you go. Woohoo! I knew it. <laughs> How is it possible I could... I could give you her entire litany of what she did throughout her life. Couldn't think of her name. That's ridiculous. Oh, okay. I actually am very, very proud because my husband is like the trivia man. He knows like he knows he could look at somebody and be like, he did this and he did this and this is his name. And like the song, I, I'm i like, I know the song. I can tell you all the words and the group is, hmm, I don't know who the singer is. Uh, I'm so, worried anyway. that I didn't go to Olivia Newton-John. I was just trying to think of like people who used to make VHS tapes of them working yes. out in leotards. So you would yes. work out in your living room. But but there you uh, go. so the point is is that you're there's two different kinds of exercises you might get involved in. And they have two different impacts, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So aerobic exercise may make my blood sugar drop go down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And weightlifting and resistance stuff could make my blood sugar go up. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. In fact, the anaerobic or the weightlifting resistance um the heavier the load, the more that you're doing in that um, is more of an adrenaline kind of release, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the more pumping kind of. And so that can be the reason it's causing a rise in blood sugar. And the others typically 
aerobic, whether it's running or jumping on the trampoline. And the trampoline in the past couple of years, I've heard more comments about trampoline blood sugar problems I, I than know. any other sport for kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, they, they, because I think it's the, it's kind of what I was bringing up at the beginning. Like your kid is like eight. And they're like running, you know, sitting down watching TV. And then all of a sudden they look up like a puppy that saw something. I'm going to jump on the trampoline now. And then they run outside and do that. And you're like, wait, stop. We just kids are all shiny, dangly objects. That's what it is. They're they're here. You they look content. And then they're like, oh, look at it. It is. It's like a puppy. It's like, oh. Look at there's a squirrel over there. <laughs> so there's these two situations you might fall in. One, you know that soccer practice is at six o'clock and you can prepare for it in one way. And two, who, your kids start chasing each other around the house and run up and down the stairs 75 times, 45 minutes after they ate with a bunch of active insulin inside and your blood sugar tanks. Right. Right. So no one tells you about that when you're diagnosed with diabetes. <laughs> No, not at all. And if you are, again, in the kid category or even the teen category, and teens are very much in that sedentary, might move, oh, somebody comes over, it's the same, really. And so you have to consider those really like quick spurts of activity could be lengthy. They could be 10 minutes and your kid is done. And they're like, "Eh, I want to sit down and read a book again, right? So- Paying attention in those times can give you like future vision then mm-hmm. to what to maybe do, but it's it's all learning really. Yeah, it's it's paying attention. It's not going to be perfect. Don't expect it to be perfect. Um, know that you have the tools to manage, and some idea that if something's planned, you can try to accommodate and see how it works out. And if something's unplanned, one of the best things is just making sure you got some carbs to manage because that's all you can do to fix it. Yeah. I So kind of the way I think about it is, you ever see those beach houses up on the stilts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Those people said, I know that one day water is going to come rushing in here and I'm going to put my house up where the water can't get to it. And I think it's water, but I don't understand how to say it. So that's fine. Um it's pre-planning, right? Yes. Somebody else built their house in the ground. The, the water comes rushing in. The house goes back out into the ocean. They're like, I don't know what happened. Well, what happened right. was you didn't plan very well. So the way I see all this is not that Arden doesn't have fluctuations around exercise if she's not prepared for it, but rock-solid settings and rock-solid understanding of how to bolus for meals so that you don't end up with a lot of insulin in the body that's not accounted for. Correct. Like, like for need. So if if Arden does not prepare to like go downstairs and get on the treadmill and run, she mm-hmm. will get low. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will, will too. Yeah. But she'll get low like 66. And then she'll need something and it'll bring her blood sugar back up. She doesn't go from like 95 to 20. Like it's not like some right. crazy drop. Because – she won't go running when she's got meal insulin active. Because she knows better at this point. Right, right. Because that's going to make her blood sugar low. So mm-hmm. I think most of activity is not having active insulin or cutting your basal, if you're on a pump, in a way prior to the activity where you kind of create one of those black holes yep. so that the drop 
um, can't drop because there's nothing there to pull it down. Because we, we call it a drop, but it's not really a blood sugar drop in this scenario. It's a pull, but that doesn't make any sense, right? The- well, I think what I've seen in a time frame, which might make sense for, again, more newly diagnosed, is the common time period when you haven't accommodated before more spontaneous exercise whether it's insulin or extra food or however you're going to do it, if you haven't accommodated 15 to 20 minutes into movement that's aerobic is a drop zone. And again, not drop like over a cliff. It's you might have been floating along pretty stable and it's definitely going to start nudging down. Right. Yeah. So that's a time frame, at least, that may give a little bit of reference to people who are new to trying to figure out what to watch for. Right. And I think if you find yourself in a scenario where blood sugars are dropping and rising and you don't understand why, you're going to be more susceptible to a problem during exercise as well. Right. It just really did strike me as I just said that calling a blood sugar drop a drop makes it feel uh, surprising. The word usage makes it feel like it's unknowable. It just happened. It just dropped out of nowhere. Like those are the phrases people use. But mm-hmm. that's not really the case in in most situations. It's you have some active no. insulin, it's it's taking sugar out of your blood. Your blood sugar number is falling because of that. Then suddenly you start exercising and there it is. I mean, right. I, I would think that if you made me just give one piece of advice, I'd say do not exercise aerobically with active insulin on board. I think that's and if you do start. know how much carb you may need to cover the active insulin that's there with, again, spontaneous activity and whatnot in kids is pretty much the whole day Mm -hmm. um, outside of what you can plan in schools and that kind of thing. Um, But if it's spontaneous and you've got active insulin because you didn't plan to go out and jump on the trampoline with four friends after lunch, you've got this insulin, it's going to need some additional food beyond what it was given to cover. Yeah. Because the exercise is mobilizing that insulin faster. And not just in a situation where you unexpectedly find yourself doing something, but what happens when you eat dinner and then go to baseball practice? Right. Right. Like that's what there's a plan. Yeah. There you can, you can work. Also, you have to sort of understand Jenny mentioned um, adrenaline a little while ago. Baseball is a good example because it's not a ton of running around for the most part. Right. But Mm -hmm. people will say, how come my kid's blood sugar gets high in a baseball game, but not at a baseball practice? And it could just be because there's no competition at the practice. They don't feel like a a sense of competition. So there's no adrenaline rise. These things take time to figure out, honestly. They do. But I, and I'm I'm not just self-promoting here, but if you listen to the pro tip series, that should teach you how to keep things more stable. And then you should have an easier time being able to see what's going on in these situations so that you can adapt to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Some stuff from people here. How do I adapt existing routines and lifestyles for diabetes, like swimming, summer, camping, hiking? It's what we're talking about. It might be what you're eating. You might eat something with more protein in it, more fat in it to hold your blood sugar up longer. Um, Mm -hmm. You may do temp basal decreases before activity to help that. Um, again, all that's in those episodes. Um, but I just think it's important for people who are newly diagnosed to understand that it's going to happen because people don't tell you that. And no, then there you go. Right. So, correct. Um, and then it's scary. 
it, it becomes scary because nobody told you to expect that this activity that your kid loves to do, but it's sporadic is going to do this versus mm-hmm. this. And, so. and you see this, this um, feedback from the person said, my son was in baseball and swimming when he was first diagnosed. The doctor flat out told me he would have to rethink the sports he was playing. Isn't that crazy? For things that would work around his diabetes while we were learning how to manage the disease. I was led to believe he could not live a normal life with sports. Oh. But, but of course he could. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm, I feel so bad that they were told that. Yeah. That's really that's terrible. It really is. Meanwhile, the tight end for the Ravens uh, has type 1 diabetes and you have type 1 diabetes and you run for some reason. I don't understand why. And... Um, <laughs> And so do a lot of other people, right? There are professionals, there's been professional baseball players on this podcast who have type one. Um, it is very doable, but mm-hmm. you need to, you need to do the things you need to do that you, you know, you have to have your basil, right? You have to understand how to bolus from meals. You have to understand the impacts of different foods. And now you have to add understanding how to keep active insulin away from certain activities, or you, if you become a bodybuilder, you might find yourself bolusing before you work out. Correct. Absolutely. Anaerobic exercise can for many people, not always, but it can, depending on the length and the weight and, you know, all of that, it can drive blood sugars up again when it's going to be based on on your response. Mm. It could be that you start out in a really great place. And by the end of your lifting session, you're riding high or you're kind of nudging up essentially, but overall you have to just pay attention to you. Some of the lifters that I've worked with have taken a bolus at the beginning of lifting session to accommodate and and avoid a rise. Mm -hmm. Some of them have set a temporary basal to accommodate for that. Um, Some of them end up doing a little bit of both anaerobic and aerobic exercise, knowing that their blood sugar is going to get driven up by weights, they end up allowing that drift to happen to a certain point and then following it with aerobic exercise, which they know is going to navigate it down and tends to kind of smooth things a little bit more on the back end rather than a dramatic drop like we often see with cardio. Yeah. So you also have to, you know, when we talk about, um, mixed meals, right? Like it's easy to pick one food and bolus for it, but what do you do when, you know, you're having meatloaf and mashed potatoes and applesauce and these all have different impacts. Also, you could head out into the backyard to move a pile of rocks, which you would think, well, that's lifting, except what if the pile of rocks is 45 feet from, so now you're lifting and then you're walking, right? And then you're lifting and then you're walking, you're, you're having two different impacts. You could end up doing something like that in the backyard, for example, and it not looking on your blood sugar like anything happened because you could be getting a pull down from the aerobic and a push up from the anaerobic and anyway this all you know what i i always say the podcast makes things seem simple but jesus that seems like a lot (laughs) to think about um but it's very doable and and i think that's the important thing but everything starts in my opinion with understanding how insulin works like with absolutely else. So, mm-hmm. okay well thank you very much i appreciate it of course okay. always i'll talk to you soon a huge thank you to jenny smith for being here with me again today and i'd like to remind you that you can hire jenny at integrateddiabetes.com i'd also like to thank 
InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. If you're looking for an insulin pen that does more, you're looking for the InPen. InPenToday.com. In a few moments, I'll tell you a lot about the show, but one of the things I'll tell you is how to find these series. So if you've just stumbled upon this one and you'd like to find the rest, there's a way to do that. And I'll be telling you about it in just a second. If you're into helping people, especially people with type 1 diabetes, I'd like to ask you to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. When you get there, fill out the survey completely and you've helped somebody. All you need to be is a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Join the registry complete the survey, help someone with type 1 diabetes, help yourself perhaps, and support the Juice Box podcast. You will do all of this in the fewer than 10 minutes that it will take to go to that link and complete the survey. The survey is very simple. You'll know all the answers to all the questions. It is also HIPAA compliant and completely anonymous. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to all of the sponsors and to T1D Exchange. When you take the time to click on my links or to type them in a browser, you're telling the sponsors that you came from the Juicebox Podcast, and that is a wonderful way to support the show. Are you looking for a vibrant and intelligent community around diabetes? Look no farther than the Facebook page the private Facebook page for the Juicebox Podcast. It's called Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. The group has over 28,000 members, and those members are responsible for between 70 and 110 new posts every day on the Facebook page. Every conceivable conversation around diabetes is happening at Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. You're going to see great questions, thoughtful answers, and supportive people. No matter if you're an adult living with type 1 diabetes or the caregiver of someone with type 1, this group is for you. Doesn't matter if you eat low carb or high carb or somewhere in between, your questions and thoughts are welcome on our Facebook page. I hope you check it out. Last little bit, if you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series or the Defining Diabetes series or any of the other multitude of series that exist within the podcast. You can find them in a number of ways. They are at juiceboxpodcast.com. They are at diabetesprotip.com. And if you belong to the private Facebook group, you can find them listed in the featured tab. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider sharing it with someone else. That helps the podcast grow more than anything. Word of mouth is definitely how the show has become what it is. If you have already shared it with everybody you can think of, and you've bought an Omnipod or a Dexcom or supported one of the other sponsors, you've done the T1D Exchange survey, and now you're looking for another way to give back to the podcast, super simple, a five-star rating and a thoughtful review in whichever audio app you listen in would be amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.